Welcome to Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno. You'll want to grab your Bible and follow along, verse by verse, with Pastor John. And you might want to practice the sinner's prayer. You know, we have these tracks in the foyer. Usually in the back of a track is the sinner's prayer, and you could put it in your own words. Billy Graham has his sinner's prayer, right, the preacher's. But it's just saying, you know, Jesus, I believe in you. Come into my heart. I believe in the cross. You died for my sins. I'm sorry. I repent. You know, I love you, Jesus. Come in. It's very simple, but it's very powerful, and it's very important to God, as we see in these scriptures. Verse 11. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. If you place your faith in Christ, you will get it all and you will not be disappointed. Verse 12, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek or Gentiles, right? We're all one. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches, for all who call on him. It doesn't matter your background, your nationality. I'm the wrong person. I'm a horrible sinner. God will never save me. Oh, he will. And Jesus is God over everyone. Jesus has come for all sinners, for all people. It doesn't matter to him your nationality, your background, your class, your, your sins, your whatever. But I was this horrible, you know, Satanist. It doesn't matter to God. Jesus is Lord of all, even for Satanists to come to him, even for criminals, even for the most horrid of sinners, even for our author, Saul, who used to kill Christians. He repented. He became our great apostle. But you must call on him. Pick up the phone and dial J-E-S-U-S. Call out loud. Maybe close the door. Scream, Jesus, I need you. Become my Savior. And you must speak the word of faith. You must say it and you must believe it. Do you see it? And then you'll be saved. You'll be a Christian in this confession, in this stance, in this promise and vow to God. And he's waiting for your call. Verse 13. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, what's the name of the Lord? Jesus. When you call... When you pray, when you confess him, there is a name you must use. Jesus. I'm sorry, without Jesus, you cannot get through to heaven. I'm sorry, without Jesus, you cannot come to God the Father. There's only one way, one name, one person, one cross. You must say, Jesus, I put my faith in you. I accept your sacrifice, your blood, your cross. I know you're God's only begotten Son. Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth 
and the life, no man comes to the Father but through me. The exclusivity of Christ. Verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? So how can you call Jesus if you don't believe him? And how will they believe in him whom they have not heard? Well, I've never heard about Jesus Christ. I don't know who he is. And how will they hear without a preacher? Well, no one's ever come. There's been no pastor, no Christian in my pathway. This is why we must tell them. This is why the gospel must get out. There is a universal invitation to everyone, and we must deliver it. Verse 15. How will they preach unless they are sent? So, the church, we're sending you. (laughs) Jesus said the church is like the salt of the earth. I think this church building is like a gigantic salt shaker. And we're trying to turn you upside down, and we're trying to shake you out of the church into the world. Your little grains of salt, and we're shaking you over Reno and Sparks and... Nevada and the ends of the earth were shaking you to get out and to tell them. Why can't tell them? Sure you can. It's easy. Memorize a scripture verse and go up to a friend that you love and you care about and say, hey, I got a scripture for you from the Bible. When I do that, you know, tell me, what, what does it say? Is it a word from God? And you'll be shocked. I got a scripture for you. I've been thinking about you. Uh, I notice you've been hurting and you're all upset. Can I pray for you? Oh, please, very rarely do I have a friend say, don't pray for me. Yes, I really need it. And it opens the door. A scripture, a prayer, some love. Do you need a hug? Do you need some food? I notice you've been struggling. And you give them a gift and with it you give them Jesus. Thank you for bringing that food to me. How did you know? And you could say, I think God sent me. I think Jesus told me to come. Tell me more. It's easy. Just try it. So we're sending you to be their preacher. Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. The gospel is our good news. It's not bad news. It's not, God hates you, you're going to burn in hell. No. It's good news. Jesus loves you, and he sacrificed his life on the cross to forgive you and bring you to heaven. It's good news. God wants to help you with this problem and this grief and this pain, and Jesus is here for you, and he has the power. He can save you. He can change He can intervene. So we are delivering good news, God's mail from heaven. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. I just saw the most wonderful movie. I wish you could see it. They just pulled it, but I think you could see it on internet. It's called Ends of the Earth. Ends of the Earth. It's a movie and a documentary and just testimonies 
from Mission Aviation Fellowship. Mission Aviation Fellowship. What they are are missionaries that fly airplanes. After World War II, all these Christians that fought for our great nation and won the war, they used their airplanes to kill people, shoot people down, drop bombs, win the war. But they were Christians and they said, now we want to use our airplanes to heal people, to bring life, to bring them food, to bring them the gospel. And Mission Aviation Fellowship uses pilots that bring missionaries into the jungles and the lost people groups where nobody can go. They're isolated. There's no roads. There's no way in. Sometimes they first use a helicopter. And then they build a landing field. And then they bring the planes in with medicine and food and seed and Bibles and crops. And usually a missionary family comes in and they decide, they're American families, and they decide, me, my wife, my kids, we will live the rest of our life in this village. We will learn their language, we will translate their own Bible, we will start a church, we'll win them to Christ, and then when the church is strong, those natives send missionaries out from their village to the surrounding villages. You gotta see the movie. It's ends of the earth because the gospel is going to the ends of the earth through airplanes. It's incredible. I remember going to Peru to teach at Calvary Bible Institute. And it is our headquarters for South America. And those young Christian students, as I'm teaching them, they're like, Pastor, thank you for coming from America. And, you know, we're going to be missionaries and church planters and pastors. And we're going to go to all the various nations of South America. And some of us will go to difficult countries. Some countries, one in particular, has fallen to communism. And the Christians are under threat. And they are like, we don't care. We'll go. We'll die for Jesus. We're going to bring the gospel to our people. We're going back. And I said, you're in a free country. No, 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 we're going to go back because we have to give them the gospel. See, they're fulfilling the Great Commission. They're fulfilling God's command and their calling. And we have sent them to preach. And if you share someone, if you share the gospel with someone, you have beautiful feet wonderful feet because your feet are bringing them hope bring the good news how do you bring the good news well first you got to read it then you got to memorize it then you got to quote it then you just give it out and say i have a scripture verse for you you know when i teach my class my students have all these scripture verses memorized and maybe it's john 3:16 or Romans 10, 9 and 10, like we read today. But you find your scriptures and you plant them like little seeds. Stop rejecting Christ. This is Israel. This is America. This is those around us. Maybe this is you. Maybe you're fighting God and you're like, I want God, but I don't want Jesus. 
No, Jesus is God's bridge to you. Verse 16, however, they did not all heed the good news, or we call this the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Right, God's brought a message and the Jews have rejected it. Verse 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing. They have to hear you, but I don't want to tell them. You have to tell them. You have to speak. You have to ask them to speak the word of faith and to ask Jesus into their heart. And faith comes from hearing, hearing the scripture, hearing the gospel message. This is why one reason I believe the Calvary chapels are big into radio. I think TV's wonderful, it's expensive, but you don't have to see it to believe. But you do have to hear it to believe, to hear the gospel. Verse 18, but I say, surely they have never heard, have they? Indeed, they have. Rhetorical questions. Well, have the Jews ever heard about the gospel? Yeah, they have the gospel. Well, how do they have the gospel? Well, from the book of Psalms, he quotes, their voice has gone out into all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. So if you go back to the context of this psalm, uh, Psalm 19, verse 1, it says, The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. God has revealed through creation and what he's made his existence. The rainbow, the promise, the sunset, the forest, the trees, the Sierra Mountains. There is a God. I look in that pudgy little baby face. I know there is a God. You're so cute, right? And God's made beauty and creation. And his fingerprints are all over his masterpiece of creation. And creation declares to you, God is here. And you can know him personally through Jesus Christ. Verse 19, but I say, surely Israel did not know, did they? First Moses says, I will make you jealous by that which is not a nation. God went, Jesus went to the Jews first, but they rejected him. And now he has gone to the Gentiles second, and the Gentiles are getting saved, and the Jews are jealous of that salvation. Uh, that which is not a nation, by a nation without understanding, I will anger you. I think God went to Israel, and now he's come to America and so many other Christian nations. And the Jews say, wow, you're so blessed by God. Yeah, you need God too, Israel. You need to get Jesus. He's the Messiah. So God is using others to make his true love jealous, so they will turn to him and want Christ. And I'm so glad Jesus has come all the way to America. It's not where he started, right? He started in Israel. Verse 20, 
And Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I became manifest to those who did not ask for me. It doesn't matter if you seek God or not, because he's seeking you. He's after you. He wants to win you. He's been chasing you. He's been wooing you. He sent people into your life and messengers and preachers and Christians and little grains of salt to make you thirsty for the living water of Christ. Verse 21. But as for Israel, he says, all the day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. You know, Jesus has been reaching out to the Jews. Some of them, he touched them with his fingers of healing. Some of them reached out back and touched his robe and the blood's gone, I've been healed, I felt the power. Who touched me, right? Jesus is reaching out to you. God's been reaching out all day long. Will you respond to me? Will you put your hand in the hand of the man who stilled the water, right? Jesus is reaching out to you. Will you grab his nail-pierced hand? Will you receive him? Take Jesus by the hand in faith. What does all this mean? This Romans chapter 10. It speaks that you must invite Jesus in. You must ask Christ into the core of your being, into your very heart. Becoming a Christian is like getting married, right? And you, you ask them, will you marry me? Yes, I will. Right? Someone has to initiate and someone has to respond. Can I tell you, Jesus is the groom and the church is the bride. He has asked us, He's asked us, do you want me? Will you receive my love? I've come, I've died on the cross for you. I love you so much. Will you receive me? And I'll tell you what I said. Oh, yes. I need your love. I need a new life. I need forgiveness. I want heaven. I love you, Jesus. I understood the cross, and I could not say no. So when you accept the uh, proposal, you get married, right? And when you get married, I don't know if you've been married or you're going to get married or you're getting married again. When you get married, in the ceremony, there's two essential things. You must say it and you must mean it. So when I perform weddings, I've done many weddings in this church. I have usually the groom go first and I have him make his vows and his promises. He initiates. Then the bride goes second. She responds to his love. And I make them say it out loud. Now, I've never had this happen in a wedding, but if I have a bride and groom and say, well, I won't say it. I refuse to say I do. I won't make these uh, vows and declare these things in front of these witnesses. Then I would say, I'm sorry, I can't marry you. If you won't say it, 
And if you say, well, I'm going to say it, but I'm really not going to mean it. I really don't love this person. I would stop the wedding. If you don't mean it, then what's it all about, right? You got to say it. You got to mean it. You have to speak it. You have to believe it. Or why get married, right? You're making your pledge, your vows to this person. And here's what we say. I make them say these out loud. First, they have to say the I do. They both have to say, I do, I do, to each other. Then I make them say, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, until death do us part. It's a promise. It's a pledge before God, before me and the witnesses. After they marry each other and they say it and they mean it, I sign with the witnesses their marriage certificate, their license. If me and the witnesses don't sign it, that we heard it and we believed it, and there was no shotgun, right? No shotgun wedding. They can't be forced and coerced. It's got to be their own free will. We sign it, and then they're married. They're not married until the witnesses signed it. And you might say, well, we're married in our heart. We got married in a bathroom. No one was there. There was no license. We didn't have to say it. We didn't have to do all this stuff. We didn't really mean it. You're not married, <laughs> right? It's the same thing with becoming a Christian. You marry Jesus, and you say, I do to him, and he says, I do to you, and you say it out loud, and you mean it, and you declare it, and you're proud. I married Look at my spouse. This is my spouse. I love him. And you reject him, you reject me. Right? Your kids ever do that? They ran out and got married. Hey, mom and dad, we eloped, and this is my spouse, and now you have to accept them. It's a rough one. <laughs> Same thing with a Christian. Hey, mom and dad, I'm a Christian now. Oh, no, don't be a Jesus freak. Sorry, I'm a Christian. I'm never leaving him. He's mine forever. Becoming a Christian is marrying Christ, and you make a pledge, a commitment, and you speak a word of faith to him, and he hears it, and he responds, and he keeps his pledge and his vows to you. Do you see it? It's important. It's important to God that you speak it, and that you mean it. It's important to God that you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you mean it in your soul. God knows if you're for real. People could say, yeah, I went to Billy Graham, I went to the altar, I prayed this prayer, but you know what, I was just faking and it was phony and I didn't even know what I was doing. Then you didn't complete it. Two steps. You confess and you believe. Yeah, but I'm ashamed of Christ. I don't want to speak his name. I don't want anyone to know about him. I'm afraid you've not completed it. Two steps. Speak it and believe it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we say to you, I do. Jesus, I need you every day. Be my Savior and my Lord. 
Help me not to be afraid to be uh, embarrassed or ashamed of you. May I be bold and say, Jesus is my Lord, and confess to others before men that I pledge my allegiance to you out loud, outwardly, and I believe in you inwardly. Jesus, help me to follow you every day. Help me to be a faithful disciple and grow strong in you. I thank you for your love, for your cross, for all that you've done for us. We confess you as Savior and Lord Jesus. You are our God. You have died on the cross for us. You've risen from the dead. We denounce our sin. We confess it to you. We place it on the cross in faith. And we will follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for supporting Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno at 246 Courtney Lane, Reno, Nevada, 89523. Our phone number is 775-746-4567 and our webpage is calvaryreno.com. You're always welcome to join our services.